So you say, you say though that you'd had experiences I had before, yeah. but at this point you had kind of come to believe that those were maybe something else. Yeah, I had because I'd ended up um, leaving my faith that I was born into, and previous to that I'd kind of been like, well, you know, maybe those didn't really happen like the way I thought they had. Like maybe you know I had. I guess, influenced my own self to believe that that happened that way. And that I may have, you know, kind of through that lens, tricked myself into believing those things. But I had other experiences that were kind of wild. This is Alex. We heard from him in the last episode. Some of you may have clocked that Alex mentioned he had previous experiences with the supernatural before his Ouija board adventure. Well, in this episode, you'll get to hear about those. I'm Dory Peacock, and this is The Ghost Box. So, for those that do not know, I am actually Hispanic, and I spent some time in South America, and it's kind of weird. I, I'd actually, not too long ago, started writing down some of the just happenings that had happened between not only myself, but of generational, like, origins. Um, just kind of like my father's grandparents, my father himself, my aunts and uncles, as well as um, things with my mother's side of the family. That still currently live in South America. So I was um, a member of the LBS faith and I had actually served my mission in the town where my mom, well, the province my mom had grown up in as a kid. So when Alex says LDS faith, he's saying he's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We've brushed up against the church in a few episodes, but I want to give a little context here so that his stories make more sense. And full disclosure, this is also the church I belong to. You'll hear people call us Mormons, and I'm going to use that term as shorthand from time to time, but as a people, we're kind of moving away from that term. Anywho, even if you don't have Mormon friends or a cultural knowledge of the church, odds are you've seen our missionaries riding bikes around your city in white dress shirts with ties and black name tags. When Alex says, served my mission, he means he was one of those boys, wandering around looking for someone who needs Jesus. There are some key features of missionary service that might be helpful to know. First, mission is also what we call the geographical area where missionaries serve. Each mission has a whole organizational framework and is divided into smaller units called areas, and every few weeks missionaries change areas. So that's what he means when he says he was transferred. Also, missionaries are always paired up. These pairs are called companionships, and two companions are always supposed to be together. You'll hear Alex talk about his companion. That's what he's talking about. Alex served his mission in Argentina, near Buenos Aires. I'd heard all kinds of stories. I'd actually been there before, and that whole area is just nothing but weird legends, folklore, and like spooky, strange, weird things. And I mean, there's a monster for everything out there. And it's just, it's just a bizarre place. Um, I used to not talk about them at all because I was, well, hell, traumatized by it, to put it lightly. It kind of messed with my head quite a bit. And to this day, I mean, sound really, probably sound really pretty silly to the perspectives of a lot of folks, but I, um, I get very nervous about the dark now. And I'm not talking like a pitch black room. I'm talking about a dark room where there's still enough light that you can see in because of the things that have happened kind of left me a little bit nervous. There um, was a, a cult 
in that area that was pretty messed up. Um, so in the Mexican traditions, there is the uh, belief in Santa Muerte, which is a female skeletal figure that is benevolent um, overall. And yeah, the Catholic Church has not officially like accepted it, but it's to be a benevolent um, being. Well, in this area I was in, it's not in Mexico, but they have a thing called San La Muerte. Now that's the masculine version of the saint of death. And this thing was practiced in a way of being malevolent with cruel intentions and just sick, twisted like things. I mean, and when I say that, I mean like there was some really horrible things that happened in this area, in particular, a city called Mercedes. I want to pause here for a second and talk a little more about Santa Muerte and San La Muerte. These are grassroots religions that are often linked to Santeria, or saint worship, which is a tradition of venerating folk saints. Folk saints are historical and supernatural figures who have been elevated to saint status by popular consensus rather than official canonization by the Catholic Church. Santeria and Santa Muerte specifically developed as a way for indigenous peoples in South America to maintain their traditional practices after they were forced by the Spanish invaders to adopt Catholicism. Framing indigenous gods and goddesses as saints gave them some flexibility. So when the Spaniards said, hey, are you guys making offerings to the Mayan goddess of death? They could say, what? No, 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 no. We're honoring uh, the saints, you know, like you guys do. Yeah, saints. Yeah, we're, we're very Catholic. Totes, totes all, about the, all about that Catholicism. Over the years, Catholic practices and Santeria practices have sort of melded. And there are quite a few people who consider themselves both good Catholics and devotees of Santa Muerte. This is partly possible because Santa Muerte herself is not inherently good or evil. She's a completely neutral figure. Because she's the embodiment of death, and death comes for everyone, she's seen as a non-judgmental and equitable figure. Santa Muerte is said to answer the prayers of everyone who brings an offering without judging the worthiness or the worthiness of the wishes of the person making the offering. What you want from Santa Muerte is entirely your affair. I didn't find as much about San La Muerte in the way of research, but it appears to be an Argentinian variant of the same practice, and its reputation is a lot darker, as Alex said. San La Muerte may be a neutral figure like his female counterpart, but his followers have a reputation for calling on him with ill intent. San Lamerte's followers are said to demand, not ask for aid from their folk saint, and offer him just enough tribute to keep him hungry so he'll stay keen to help them. It's a much more exploitative relationship. You're going to hear a lot from Alex about practitioners and practices of San Lamerte, and I want you to keep a few things in mind. First, these are anecdotal accounts based on personal experiences and might not line up with everyone's experience of San La Muerte. Second, every religious movement has dangerous zealots and bad actors, and that's what you're going to hear about. So take it with a grain of salt. Now, back to Alex. There he was, a 20-year-old missionary in Mercedes, a small city north of Buenos Aires. Mercedes is a... Um kind of a historical town that is kept to be really, really rustic and old fashioned. Uh, to this day, there's people that walk down the streets dressed up in clothing, not like ironically or like historical recreation wise, but legitimately just as part of their um, culture. Well, I can say my culture to dress up as gauchos. And, um, you would see people walking down the street looking to kind of look like pirates with a short sword or a silver gilded dagger at their hips. And there's um, a lot of Romani in the town that looks like um, people from the Hunchback of Notre Dame still. I mean, they dress up in all the bright colors and everything and just really rich with culture. 
And I'd realized that this um, San La Muerte thing was kind of a big deal because one of my companions I'd had, he um, one day freaked out about something he'd saw. We were going to a man's house that we were kind of contacting and we were trying to convert him to our religion. We usually would go to his front door to talk to him, but he was alongside the side of his house one day and we went up and right next to his side door to his home, there was like a little tiny um, shrine and I'm talking like three inches tall by like an inch wide. And it was nailed into the wall next to the door. And it had a little tiny, like singular red Christmas light above it. And there was a little skeleton inside of there um, with a scythe. I mean, literally just looked like a Grim Reaper. He didn't have the hood on, but it was a skeleton with a scythe. And as we're talking to this guy, my companion looks at it and he freaks out. He's like, no. No, 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 no. What is that? What is that? Why do you have that there? And the guy's like, oh, um, why do you care? And he's like, no, you shouldn't have that there. And the guy got really weird about it. And he told us a lot of people have died in this house. You need to understand that. We were actually with uh, a bishop at the time. And he was kind of helping us track it. And the bishop's like, what do you mean? He's like, there's been murders in my home. I need you to leave now and close the door. And I was like, what the heck was that about? And my companion's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we've been in that house. I can't believe we've been in that house. I'm like, dude, what the heck is happening with you? And he's like, man, I had a bad experience with that thing. And I'm like, okay. And he proceeds to tell me about how that thing was, um, you know, like a dark magic leaf and kind of like a, an idol of worship and I had noticed that there were lots of houses lining the roads that were painted red and they had red banners and flags that draped down the front of them and all around the yard and they had shrines usually in front of them and they were filled with like weird things um, they'd have this San Muerte and then there was another um, regional character it's called Gaucho Hill, who is a kind of like a Robin Hood hero down there that was also worshipped in tandem with this thing because apparently he worshipped the saint of death and um, you could pray to them and they would grant your wishes. I was like, okay, I'm like, you know, I don't really believe that that, you know, can really happen, you know, that this thing, you know, really give gifts or whatever. And my parents like, we can't ever go back there. We can never go back there. Never go to a house that looks like that. Never go to a house like that. And he was absolutely panicked. And I'm like, okay, what's the deal with that? And he says, well, the people that do that, they can make spirits appear and stuff. I'm like, okay. I'm like conjurers. The bishop, I remember, he's like, oh, I'm not going to lie. You cannot go to houses like that. People that worship that thing are mentally unstable um, and they're dangerous. Okay, okay, I get the idea. Weird. A little while after that, with the same companion, he was pretty nervous about it. One morning, we wake up, we get ready to go tracting, and my companion looks at me and he goes, Are you okay? I'm like, Yeah, I'm fine. That's kind of weird. <laughs> just a random ask that. I'm like, I don't really know what he's asking. We go about just kind of talking to people, and then we did a service project for one of the old people that lived in the area and washed his car. I realized he wasn't talking to me like all day. And I'm like, hey, are you okay? He's like, uh, yeah, we're okay. And we finally went to go get food. We were eating our meal. I'm like, dude, what the heck's going on? Are you mad at me that piss you off or something? And he's like, no. I'm like, then why are, why are you being so weird? And he's like, something bad happened last night. Okay, what happened? Well, when we went to sleep last night, you laid down and you fell asleep almost within a couple minutes. He's like, and I didn't. He's like, I laid down in the bed. And pretty soon after you fell asleep, I'm just kind of laying there. And I hear something moving around in our room. He's like, I started hearing noises in the room. 
And when I looked over to see if maybe like it was you getting up or something, then I saw something standing over you when you were sleeping. Okay, and I said, and I could hear it whispering, and it put its face right by your face when you were sleeping and was talking to you. He said, I sat up, and I'm like, leave, leave the, leave us alone now, and and he said it slowly started to fade away, but he could hear it laughing in the room, and it left. He's like, I'm scared. He's like, I'm kind of scared of you. I don't know if something bad happened to you. Or what's going on? And he's like, and I didn't want to say it out loud because I was scared, like, it might hear me or something. And that wigged me out. I was like, okay, holy crap. Well, he then told me why he was scared of that little moniker, that little idol. It's because he'd had an experience in a previous area where he and his companion got a phone call in the middle of the night from somebody that they were kind of teaching, and they were talking to them in English. And they don't speak English, obviously. It's not their native language. And they were speaking the woman English. They're like, what the heck? And they're like, you need to come to us right now. And they got nervous. Something bad had happened. They, okay, weird. And they went to the home. When they showed up, the front door was open. And down in this area, I mean, it is purely classic to have a light bulb hanging from a wire in in the room not attached to anything. It's literally the power outlet hanging down with the light bulb. And he said, we look in the house. I'm like, hey, you guys okay? We start getting ready to walk in. And they're sitting at their kitchen, which is literally their living room and pretty much their bedroom and everything in this little house. And the light bulb started spinning in circles from the wire, spinning around the room. And the wife and husband they were talking to like started having convulsions and started like screaming and yelling and they saw that there was a dark shadow in the room that was you know causing this disturbance he said that his companion at that time was this big football player from idaho runs in and grabs the wife drags her out and goes in and grabs the husband drags him out and they were trying to cast out the spirit and they saw it like stumble across the move a bunch of objects and then ran out the back door and it was gone and he's like i'm scared that one of those things might be out here too i'm like i've got goosebumps even just thinking about this right now so um months pass and i end up going to a new area new companion new everything we've been teaching this family there's many members of the family living in one tiny little house i'm telling you like there's grandma grandpa their kids aunts and uncles cousins and then like all the way down i mean there was like three generations of people living in that house and probably like 20 folks there they had um two special needs children that were nonverbal. one day we went to go see them and as we showed up they were already outside waiting for us they'd always meet us outside because their home was too small to sit in pretty much and they were sitting out there with the chairs out there i'm like okay i'm like cool i must you know just figured we're coming to go see them like, hey guys, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, what happened? You guys okay? I'm like, no, we're not okay. Hey, what happened then? Well, we knew you were coming. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, no, we saw like something happened and we knew you guys were going to come. Apparently, um, the nonverbal children, they had started reacting really weird to things in the household that no one else could see at first. And then the family started seeing them together as like a group. And they were seeing what looked like literally just people walking through their house. But when you looked at them, you could see most of the top half of them and you could see kind of their legs and stuff, but they were see-through and they were dead. They're like, we keep seeing ghosts around here and we didn't want to tell you guys because it's scary. Okay, so what does that have to do with that? And they point over to their one daughter. She's like, it's because we noticed that they follow you. Okay, at this point, I'm like, more ghost crap. I'm like, okay, what are you seeing? And the girl's like, over there, keep seeing these dark figures that follow you. Like what? They're dark silhouettes. 
Can you see him right now? <laughs> it scared me pretty bad. The crow goes right behind you. And it was like a few yards back. So he's like, see that light pole? I'm like, yeah. I could look over my shoulder. They wait right there every time you leave. And then they follow you as you leave our home. You started having bad dreams that you were being killed by them, that they were trying to make you get hurt. Oh, man. <laughs> now, I didn't see them. I did not see them. It's like, okay, well, let me know if anything, you know, happens. And they're like, well, a lot of bad things have been happening. And they'd had their uncle there just before we'd shown up. And he was this really big, heavy dude. I'd actually seen him, probably like 300 plus pounds. They were telling him that they were seeing these things and all this, that, and the other. And he's like, well, oh, you're full of crap. You're full of crap. And then he made a joke and he's like, well, yeah, if, there, if there's any ghosts here, prove it. And right at that moment, the chair that he was sitting in drug across the ground with him in it and shoved him into the corner of the room. And he stood up and walked right out of the house without saying a word. He didn't come back. And they're like, that just happened. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. And they're like, can you bless our house? Can you do something? So I did. But that same family, we'd gone back to them. And they're like, some more things that keep happening with these shadow creatures. And this one got me really nervous. Like I said, all these family members slept in this house. And so they had a room where like, you know, stuff as many people as possible. And one of the older kids, by a kid, I mean, he was like 20, says, hey, something bad happened last night. The things that, you know, are following you in the street, but they came into the house last night. I'm like, okay, what happened? And the whole family's there. And he's like, well, I'm sleeping on the bottom bunk and I can feel my siblings. There were two siblings that were younger that slept above in the same bed of his bunk bed. And he said, my bed starts like moving. And all of a sudden, my siblings come crawling out of the top bunk and they come they're like, we need to sleep with you. We need to sleep with you. We need to sleep with you. And he's like, why? What's going on? What's going on? They're like something's just crawled in the bed with us. Please, 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 please. He's like, what is it? And as he's sitting there, he can hear the cushion on the bunk bed above him starts moving. At that point, he's like, what the heck? And he said that two hands reached down underneath and a head looked underneath the bunk bed above, looked down underneath at them from the top bed. They won't leave us alone now. So we kept blessing the house, but nothing was working, it seemed. And then ultimately I got transferred. And this is where things got really intense and it started to have lots of bad things happening. Well, we kind of, for a long time in that area, had not had anybody like talk to us. And I kind of think I know why now. <laughs> because when we finally got someone to talk with us and like kind of you know, listen to the things we're talking about, um, it was a single mother and she had three children. One was a very small little boy a young man that was like 16 and the daughter I think was like 13 or 12. She got stopped in the grocery store one day by a really weird man and he's like stop talking to those North Americans. She's like who are you? He's like you don't need to know who I am. Stop talking to the North Americans or we, you will pay for it. And she's like yeah I just tell them to screw off and I'm not gonna listen to you and do whatever I want you're not charging me. Well um, she told us about that and I was like Oh, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, from a rival church or whatever. And one morning we show up to her house and she's in the yard with a shovel digging holes. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, do you need some help digging holes? She goes, nope, I got this. I'm like, hey, you okay? And she's like, no, I'm not okay. All of her livestock was slaughtered, all of her animals. Uh, there was a pony that was dead, a bunch of chickens, a bunch of, just, I mean, livestock. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? She's like, last night, I woke up. There were people all around my bed, dressed in black with black hoods. And they said, you stop talking to them. Don't you get out of bed? If you get out of bed, we'll kill you and your children. Don't get up until the sun comes up. When she woke up, got out of her house, 
well, not woke up, but got up. I don't think she slept. I couldn't imagine sleeping after that. She got up and went outside and all of their animals have been killed. They killed them all. And she's like, it's those stupid people from that cult. She's like, this is them. I know it's the witches. She's like, you need to be careful. These people might try to hurt you. And I was getting really nervous about it. I'm like, oh my hell, like, you know, maybe their magic stuff is real. Maybe it's not, but I can see these dead animals. Um, they threatened her to kill her. And I'm like, we need to talk to the police. Like, she's like, that police won't do anything. I promise you they won't do anything. All the cops are crap down here. They're not gonna do anything. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And she was just like, be careful. These people could kill you. They could try to kill you. Well, a good thing that was easy to um, spot these folks is they obviously love skeletons and they would tattoo their bodies up with it. And they had a really sick, twisted um, ritual they do where they cut their skin open under these tattoos. They go to a graveyard, they dig up a body and steal a piece of bone and stuff it inside of the wound. And so they'd have these nasty festering like pockets on their skin and stuff. And this was supposed to be to make them unkillable so that you can shoot them and kill them and you can stab and kill them. It was some weird necromancy I don't even know. Like, okay, and she was telling me like, this is how you identify them. This is how you know if you're talking to one of these people, you have to be very careful and obviously look for skeleton and statues. Like, holy crap. And I remember calling my mission president like, hey, this is happening. Like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, eh, I don't think he like really believed us or just didn't really give a damn. And he's like, yeah, you'll be fine. Like, don't worry. I'm telling you, we kept running into weird folks with this stuff. And I got to the point where I'm like, I'm probably going to get killed by these people. This gang and this cult will probably kill me. And <laughs> this may sound a little bit wild, but I started um, carrying a knife with me. I don't want to just get murdered in the street and just die like, you know, a slaughtered chicken. And so I was like, I, you know, I just want to defend myself in case things get wild. My companion was also very nervous. Eventually, um, in that area, we decided, you know, we're just going to stick to certain areas and we're not going to try to get involved too much with this um, cult. We ended up being okay the rest of the time in that area to only have me transfer to another area. And this one leads me to a story that is definitely one of the more intense ones because this one I did witness and this one I was there for. It wasn't just, you know, hearing stories from others. It happened to be in a place called Chaco. This area of Chaco was still, I mean, this magic crap was everywhere. I was like, man, I'm just not feeling the vibe here. I, I remember just being very scared all the time because it was just people telling scary things. Like, oh my gosh, something just happened the other day. And I'm like, man, I'm so tired of all these stupid stories. We had walked down this road that we'd kind of been down several times. And there was a family with some little kids that we'd kind of known. Like, hey, do you know anybody around here we could talk to? Like, you know, we kind of, our resources had run dry and we're like, we need to talk to some new folks. And the kids were like, you need to go to that house over there. I'm like, okay, yep. And then they just went back into their house. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, we've been re referred like that thousands of times previous. And so I didn't think much. I ended up going over to this house and you don't knock on doors down there. You clap your hands outside of like the, um, the yard of their fenced area. And then they come to the door and they're like, you may pass with permission or they'll say, no, get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. This lady answers the door and she's like, come in. Okay. Walk across her yard and go over into the house. And there was her son. His name was Wilson. And I'll never forget what he was looking like. He was sitting on a chair with a cigarette in his hand and he had a huge bottle of um, like rum cream liqueur. And he's drinking this thing just straight out of the bottle. He takes a big drag off of his um, cigarette and blows smoke at me. And he goes, look at you too. 
and then started making like some derogatory terms for like um, being gay. He's like, how how could two men live together and not be you know blankety blank? I'm like, dude, chill out. Like you know, there's no need to be saying stuff like that. Like, please stop. I'm like, man, I hate this guy's dick. Like, I've never met anybody like this. He's like, whatever. <laughs> and starts laughing and he's super drunk and stumbles into the back room and leaves. I'm like, wow, okay. And this woman is like, what do you, okay, I know you guys are Mormons and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, um, well, let me tell you a little bit about it. And she interrupts. She's like, no, I want to tell you a thing or two about you guys. And then she just starts bagging on our um, church. She's like, I had had all these bad things happen with all these people in your in your congregation. I hate you guys. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I don't know what to say to that. And then she's like, yeah, you know, I'm just sick. I'm like, why is she letting us in here? She doesn't want to hear anything we're wanting to talk about. And she's just wanting to complain. Well, in the middle of her complaining, front door opens and a young girl walks in. Um, her name was Yamila. She's 13 years old. And as she walks in, the mom stops talking. The girl goes, hi. We're like, hi. And the mom just kind of scans her as she walks through and then goes into the back room. And the mom was like, hey, is everything okay? She kind of shakes her head a little bit. No. Like, I think something bad's happening, right? And she just kind of stares at me. Even when I was religious, I'll say this. I wasn't like really, I mean, people that used to bother me the most were the ones that were like, I had a feeling to do this or to do that. And I was always just annoyed by it. I was like, uh, I kind of had a feeling. Something was wrong with the girl. Something weird was going on. And I didn't want to say it out loud because I was scared to sound like an absolute idiot saying it. I was like, hey, can we come back in a week? And she's like, yes, please do. I'm like, can you make sure she's here? She's like, yeah. I'm like, something's wrong with your daughter, huh? She goes, yes. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. She's like, thank you. And we leave. I remember my companion's like, dude, what the heck was that about? Like, what's going on? What's what's happening? And I'm like, dude, something's wrong with the girl. He's like, well, like what? And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I don't want to say it. I'm like, something's wrong with the girl, though. And he's like, dude, what's wrong with her? And I'm like, did you see how the mom acted? That was weird. He's like, so? Like, what if, I'm like, what if there's something like that happening? You know what I mean? He's like, what, you think something like there's like she's possessed or something? And I'm like, oh gosh. I mean, just hearing him say it, it was even more annoying. I was like, I just don't want to hear that. I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know. I said, so we're coming back in a week. And I remember the day that we decided to go back. And I was like, not super concerned, but I was thinking about it. And I had. Decided, I'm like, eh, you know, just in case, let's fast. But once again, I'm telling you, it was scorching hot in this area. It was nightmarish, hellscape of heat. And to fast was asking a lot. I mean, it was potentially actually dangerous, quite literally. My companion was just like, dude, why are you doing this? This is the stupidest thing. You're going off of total conjecture. There's nothing that's like evidence that this is what's happening. She didn't even say that that's what was happening. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I mean, he was just making me feel kind of like an idiot the whole day. I'm like, just don't, just don't deal with this. We eventually get to the time where it's to go see them. Get to the house and same thing, clap outside of the fence. Lady opens the door, ushers us in. The sun is there again, Wilson. And he's smoking again. He's like, oh, look who's back. And again, a whole bunch of slurs. And I'm like, man, like, I just kind of shook it off. And he ends up walking away and leaving. He goes into the back room. And there was in the back room, they had like a cloth that was kind of in the doorway. And I think it was probably from like an old sheet or something. And he just like walks through there, just laughing and making fun of us. 
And I'm like, okay, um, sit down. And then the lady just starts having at us again. You know, your church is so, da-da. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, hey, um, is your daughter here? And she goes, no. This point, I look over at my pain, and he just rolls his eyes like, you idiot. And I'm like, oh, I feel so guilty and so dumb. I'm like, okay, is she coming home soon? Like, well, no. Oh, I just kind of hang out there for a little while. Like, well, I'm probably gonna have to end up just leaving. Go get, you know, go drink down the street and some food. And the door opens. The girl's there. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. The mom goes, hey, Yamila, come here. She's like, why? Come here. Why? What's going on? And I'm like, okay, I'm not. I'm just gonna cut to the chase. This is looking like it's gonna be a fight between mom and a daughter, and you know, I don't know where that's gonna go. I pulled one of the tape, the chairs out from under the table, the kind of kitchen living room area, and I pull it out in the kind of middle of the room, like, hey, we're giving people blessings. Um, your mom kind of like indicated, you know, you might need one, and the girl looks at me and goes, no, and the mom's like, yes sit down and she kind of like grabs the chair like you're gonna sit in this freaking chair the girl okay she sits down i put oil on the kid's head and i anoint that and then comes the second part to the um actually giving the blessing and i put my hands on the kid's head again and he puts his hands on mine and i remember looking over at him and he just shakes his head and rolls his eyes and closes his eyes and bows his head i'm like how do you go about like saying, hey, I think there's like a spirit or something, you know, how do you go about saying that? I've never done anything like that before. It just seemed kind of stupid. Here we go. And I started just giving a very generic, well, typical Mormon blessing, like, oh, that you'll be safe, you know, that you'll be okay, and that you may do well in life. I'm, just, I'm literally just beating around the bush, not knowing what to say. You know what? I could kind of test the water too. And I said something to the effect of, if there's anybody here, we'd like to know. And the girl, almost our hands on top of her head, she kind of cranks her head, kind of um, really stiffly off to, I remember it was the left-hand side, and kind of like, it was kind of twitchy when she did it. And I was like, okay, I kind of lifted my hands up for a second, and she straightened her head back up. I remember my companion, like, his eyes are open, too, and he looks at me, and he's kind of like, what the heck? Now, this time, I'm like, maybe she's just stretching her neck. Maybe her neck is tired. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to go about, like, like, it was almost like I was testing. Like, I psyched myself out. Like, I touched my toe in the pool to see if I'll jump in. Now I, like, freak myself out to, like, do it again. And I'm like, eh, whatever. This family hates us anyways. I mean, I'll just go for it. And I just say it, like, whoever you are, I call you out at this moment. And right then, the girl started making a low, um, raspy, gurgling sound. And it kind of started like a... And then it got louder. And And at that moment, she grabs her own throat. And I'm standing behind her. And the mom screams she goes Wilson it's happening again and I'm looking and I can see the girl's fingers from behind and she's like crushing her own throat they're like white knuckling onto her neck onto her throat and I just keep going with lifting at this point in time my companion lifted his hands off and like started stumbling back and backed up into a wall and the brother comes darting into the room through the curtain in the back room, flips it open, runs over, and the mom's like screaming, get her hands off of her throat, she's doing it, she's choking herself. The brother grabs the left arm, and the mom grabs the right arm, and starts cranking it off of her neck. Now, I mean, the brother is a full-grown man, mom's obviously a full-grown woman, and this girl sitting in the chair, younger than both of them by 
like seven, well, by the brother, at least seven years. And she just shouts out this gargling voice, no, and throws her brother onto the, like, just chucks him. And he falls onto the floor and then grabs the mom and throws her onto the floor while still staying in the chair and then just starts flipping around and her hands are um, sporadically flipping around. How she's like making all these weird gnashing, gargling, like growling sounds. At that moment, I also realized that down there in that region, the roofing was typically made of um, corrugated metal. And I start, the roof, like I could hear started like going, rattling and I'm like holy crap my companion I remember looking at him he was just like freaking out and I'm like oh my gosh and I hurried up and just wrapped it up and I'm like <laughs> leave this child now and the kid um, right as soon as I said that <gasps> took a deep breath and then almost fell out of the chair and I grabbed her and pulled her back in the chair and tipped her head back over like the rest of the chair so she just laid there I'm not gonna lie I was so like shocked by what was happening it felt like um someone had come up behind me and hit me in the back of my legs with like a broom or something a broom handle because my legs were like cramping and sore and like trembling the mom's on the ground brother's on the ground and I don't know at what point in time my companion had been on the floor and I'm like everybody kneel down right here I'm like we need to bless this house I don't know if it's like in the house we all kneel down bless the house and it was funny because I mean these two people were complete strangers I mean this boy had been just like a total jerk to us just moments before like absolute jerk and here we are we're, we were kneeling and we had like all of our heads touching <laughs> just kind of kneeled together clustered together bunched up and we were just praying and praying and praying and the whole house went easy girl was still in the chair and I found my footing stood back up and I remember the brother was on the ground just crying and crying and crying and crying I'm like, did you see that? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, what was that? He goes, a miracle. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And we went and sat down at the table, just staring at the girl sitting in the chair. And we didn't say anything for, it was a long while. We just sat there just like, what the hell just happened? And then... The mom breaks the silence. She goes, I need to tell you a story. Okay. She proceeds to tell us that um, this had been happening for a little while. That the daughter would go into these strange possessed states. But it was because of her husband. Okay. And I hadn't seen her husband. She tells us that he had actually, he was part of that cult with a skeleton and all that crap. He was doing some really creepy things and was talking about killing people and she left them and ran away with the kids. She ran out to this place to live, kind of far secluded away from the main cities and everything just to be away from that. And she just didn't feel safe with them, didn't want the kids around them anymore. It was just too much. And she'd run away to this area. Um, a while after she got a phone call and she takes a call and it's her husband. She's like, how did you get the number? How did you find me? He's like, it doesn't matter, but I'm gonna send a spirit to torment our daughter. And when that thing does that, it'll be a reminder for you that I'm gonna fight you and kill you for what you did for stealing my children. But you're gonna to have to deal with that spirit from here out. She didn't, she was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, hangs up scared to answer phone calls for a while she then she's like i didn't tell any of the kids because they don't need to know that crap as she's um hanging out with her kids one day the daughter just starts like 
twitching and starts freaking out and then just starts yelling and was acting like she was possessed. And it scared the mom, obviously. And the girl became almost like animal-like. They brought in, because they were Catholic before, some of them, they were also evangelical. And I mean, they bounced around from churches to churches. And they brought in a Catholic priest one day when it was happening. And he was like doing all these, you know, trying to cast out demons kind of thing. Like she'd pass out afterwards and then she'd like try to talk, but she couldn't talk. And this had happened with priest and with an evangelical pastor. With the pastor, the one time as it was happening, she was on her bed having this episode and she eventually passed out again after like, you know, attacking and screaming and yelling, all the kind of obscenities of the family and else. And she ends up passing out and laying down on the bed after they, you know, done a whole bunch of like prayers and blessings over her. And as she's laying in the bed, they started realizing her finger was tracing on the sheets. And they were like, oh my gosh, she's writing stuff. They started asking her questions while she was like in this strange catatonic state. She was like trying to talk, but just couldn't get the words out. So she's just writing. And they're like, where are you? And She's like, I'm here, but there's spirits here and they've got me. I can't move, they're not letting me talk. I don't have strength anymore. And just like telling them all this stuff about what was happening. Ultimately, they're like, what can we do to help you? And this is kind of weird to say, um, obviously, now that I'm no longer in this faith, but the girl wrote um, the Mormons. <laughs> like oh my gosh okay and the mom that's why she let us in the house well she's telling us that i'm like do you have that piece of paper by chance she says yep i do it was a gray piece of paper that was very commonly used to wrap up sandwiches <laughs> like if you were like to go to buy a sandwich on like a corner or something they would wrap it up in this it was just literally like garbage and she brings out this gray piece of paper there it is written on there. I'm like, can I have it? She says, yeah, you can have it. Piece of paper currently upstairs in my bedroom in a box. She says, that's why I let you guys into my house. It's because I was scared. And that's what she said would help. Well, the brother ended up um, going and telling all of his friends what had happened. And they had actually been aware of it and witnessed a bunch of those types of things. We show up to church and him and he was actually part of a gang and they were all waiting outside the church with us and they all ended up um, joining the faith which is pretty funny how did you convince yourself that like you had imagined those things <laughs> um i had chucked it up to mental health problems you know that girl after we did that she went back to having the fits it never really went away as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be that. I thought communal, perhaps. I was in a place where so many people believed in something weird that I didn't really believe. And I kind of thought, you know, man, when several people are like wigging out over the same thing, could it be that we're, you know, like misinterpreting this? Maybe was it mental health, you know, issues that, or attention seeking that had happened with those people that had made me think that they were spiritual events. And then that amongst me leaving my faith, I was like, you know, I don't know if any of that was really real or if it happened through my interpretive lens of being, you know, religious, that that was what I just, you know, expected it to be. So, Alex comes home, permanently shaken by what he experienced. He moves on from his faith. And then one day, he has an idea for an art project, and has the experience he shared in our last episode. After this Ouija board thing, I kind of went, I'm like, oh, hell, I don't even know what I believe anymore. 
because there was like, I totally don't believe after having had believed. And then after that event, I'm like, do I believe some, like that there's actual spiritual things that can happen still? Like it was weird. So it was kind of like an agnostic reawakening to the potentials of, you know, there being other places or other, you know, things for spirits. That was weird. That was kind of a, I don't know, it, was, it just crossed the wires in a weird way. Listening, the Ghost Box is written, produced, hosted, and all the stuff by me, Dory Peacock, with mixing and scoring by Parker B. Abeg, who also composed our nifty theme music. I want to thank Alex for sharing his stories with me, and I want to thank my furry four-legged production assistant, George Moosington Adams Esquire, because of course my cat is a lawyer. I also want to thank our Patreon patrons for keeping the lights on over here at the box. Patreon is an incredibly nifty website where you can make small monthly donations to support independent creators like yours truly. So if you'd like to toss a coin in the box, as they say, head on over to patreon.com slash theghostbox, link in the show notes, and sign up for the contributor level that suits your needs. In return for your contribution, you will have access to a rad library of bonus content and hopefully more perks soon. I know I missed posting bonus material last time I published, so I'm going to try and post two bonuses this week. Wish me luck on that one. Also, if you have a story you'd like to share with us, email us at theghostboxpod at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Instagram and Twitter at theghostboxpod. You can also call our paranormal hotline at 801-410-4315. Whether you call or write, give a brief description of your story, and if it sounds right for the show, we'll get back to you. Finally, if you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps people find the show. And if you didn't like it, well, tweet about it so your enemies can suffer too. Thanks again for listening. Stay spooky, everybody. first take was better whether you call or write give a brief de- Ugh.